Greetings, and thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode focused on Alzheimer's disease entitled New and Emerging Therapies for Alzheimer's Disease Anti-Amyloid Therapies. Our learning objectives for this podcast are explore the mechanism of action and evidence supporting new and emerging disease-modifying therapies for AD, consider which patients are most likely to benefit from these new and emerging disease-modifying therapies. Today, we will be joined by Dr. Daniel Press, Chief of the Division of Cognitive Neurology and Associate Professor of Neurology at Harvard Medical School in Boston. Welcome, Dr. Press. You want to kick off with your disclosures? Sure, yes. My research is funded primarily by the NIMH and the NINDS, but I'm also a site investigator for clinical trials sponsored both by Biogen and by Janssen. Thank you. All right. To start us off, can you give us a brief reminder about the pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease and what changes take place in the brain? Sure. It's uh, rather fascinating that Alzheimer's disease, really like most other neurodegenerative disorders, are really thought to be due to the misfolding of proteins. Uh, Misfolded proteins build up in the brain and lead to some of the most common to some of the most rare neurodegenerative disorders. In Alzheimer's disease, the two proteins that misfold are amyloid, which builds up in extracellular accumulations or plaques, and in tau, which builds up intracellularly inside neurons and builds up in, in what are called neurofibrillary tangles. So amyloid in, uh, in plaques and tau in tangles are really the main uh, hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. And we think they're really critical to the pathophysiology. Thanks. Next, can you review the traditional classes of treatment for Alzheimer's disease? How do they work and what clinical effects do these agents have? Sure. Um, the, the most widely used medications are cholinesterase inhibitors. These are denepazil, rivastigmine, and galantamine. And they work by increasing the amount of a chemical messenger called acetylcholine in the brain. And they can help at least moderately to modestly with memory. They're symptomatic in that they don't slow the progression of the disease. There's also a second medicine, a medicine called memantine, that works on NMDA receptors. And that is traditionally used in moderate to advanced stages of Alzheimer's disease and works through a different channel. We believe it works through glutamate rather than acetylcholine. Most, uh, most people recommend starting with a cholinesterase inhibitor because it seems to work, including in mild stages. And when people become more moderate, we then recommend um, starting memantine. In particular, I'd like to note that uh, patients with Lewy body uh, diseases like Parkinson's disease dementia or Lewy body dementia might especially benefit from cholinesterase inhibitors. And so in particular, those patients, we really should try hard to get them on a, a medicine from that class. So in 2021, a new drug called aducanumab was FDA approved in what was clearly a controversial decision. This is one drug in a new class of drugs known as anti-amyloid therapies. Can you explain how anti-amyloid therapies work and how they are different from previous treatments for Alzheimer's disease? Uh, Definitely. So aducanumab is one of a sort of new class of drugs that uses um, uh, an immunotherapy to try to remove amyloid from the brain. They're really monoclonal antibodies, and they're specifically targeted at amyloid. They're also uh, monoclonal antibodies aimed at tau, and both are being studied in Alzheimer's disease. Really, the goal of these therapies is to try to both remove 
amyloid and to then uh, show clinical benefit, ideally in slowing the progression of the disease. The reason why these are so exciting is because, they, they, because they're really targeting the proteins that build up in the disease. There's at least the hope that they could truly be disease-modifying rather than symptomatic therapies like the current therapies we have. Um, it's incredibly controversial, though. As you know, aducanumabs um, un underwent really a, just a, a seesaw uh, in terms of, of evidence. And I think what most people would say is that aducanumab clearly does remove amyloid on PET scans, but the evidence is not at all clear that there are clinical benefits. There were two phase three clinical trials, one of which uh, showed a strong uh, trend towards benefit and one of which did not. And uh, because of this intense controversy and a whole back and forth story, um, uh, Biogen is now proceeding with the phase 3B slash 4 trial to really try to finally sort out whether anakinumab uh, is actually effective at slowing the progression of Alzheimer's disease. Right now, it's really important to note that um, Medicare will only fund anakinumab for people who are in clinical trials and really, aducanumab is, is not going to be widely used until there's a, a lot more data. Yeah, thanks for all that background on aducanumab. Can you tell us more about the class of anti-amyloid drugs that are in development and what evidence is there to support their use? I mean, which patients would these drugs be most beneficial for in the future? Sure, aducanumab is one of a whole class really now of uh, anti-amyloid therapies, and they're at least three others that are fairly far along in development, including denenumab, lecanumab, and solanezumab. Both denenumab and lecanumab are sort of second-generation anti-amyloid therapies, and both of them now are in phase three trials for what we call early Alzheimer's disease, which means mild cognitive impairment and mild Alzheimer's disease. And there's at least early evidence that they may have fewer side effects than aducanumab. But, uh, but it's still unknown, really, whether they're, they're effective. The third one, solanezumab, is also an anti-amyloid therapy. And that one's being used, really, in a very interesting trial that's what we call secondary prevention trial. That means it's a trial in people who are amyloid positive but don't yet have any symptoms of memory loss. They, don't have, they have not yet developed mild cognitive impairment. These are perfectly healthy older people who have signs of amyloid on PET scan. And that study is called the A4 study, and we should be learning the results relatively soon. Uh, denenumab, I point out, and aducanumab have both shown benefits in terms of removing amyloid, but again, there's really a lot of lack of certainty in terms of uh, whether that will translate into disease modification. Um, early studies from phase two for denenumab do suggest a 15 to 20% reduction in the rate of progression of Alzheimer's disease. But that's, uh, that's pretty tentative, and we're really waiting for phase three data. Lakenumab is, is in sort of a similar uh, situation. Um, last thing I'd like to talk about is this, uh, this um, uh, secondary prevention trial, the solanezumab uh, trial, which I already mentioned just briefly, called the A4 study. This is really incredibly exciting because this is a, a class of prevention trials where, where the goal really is to prevent even the earliest signs of memory loss or mild cognitive impairment. And uh, we now can determine who amongst the elderly have signs of amyloid building up in their, in their brain by using amyloid PET scanning. And really the goal of that clinical trial is to identify those patients, treat those patients with a therapy, 
and see if we can prevent the very first signs of memory loss, uh, which would really put it in a unique position. Uh, I think of it almost like by analogy, like some of the screenings that we do for other cancers where we try to pick up things in a precancerous state and treat it at that point so that no one ever develops colon cancer, for instance. The goal with, with, of the A4 study is to do really the same thing for Alzheimer's disease. All right, so our next question is about side effects. Are there any side effects in, uh, with any of these anti-amyloid drugs that you've just told us about? Uh, unfortunately, there are. And the most common one is something called ARIA, or amyloid-related uh, imaging abnormality. ARIA is a form of what we call vasogenic edema, or edema building up in the brain, we think because of leaky blood vessels from the immune, um, uh, the antibody-binding amyloid that's in the blood vessels themselves. This kind of aria can build up in about 35% of the people who are in high doses of aducanumab, and it seems to be a little bit less, perhaps 27% in the denanumab trials. Um, of note, most people who develop aria uh, do it asymptomatically. They don't have any symptoms, but about 25% of patients can have headaches, uh, confusion, and sometimes it can even be severe where people can have seizures and, and other difficulties, which fortunately are, are rare but can happen. There also can be another kind of aria called aria-H where there are little microhemorrhages that also appear on MRI. So aria-E and aria-H are the two main side effects that we worry about with the amyloid therapies. That's a lot of helpful background information. Dr. Press, can you tell us what role do you anticipate these new and emerging anti-amyloid therapies will play in management of Alzheimer's disease? Sure. At this point, really, um, really, essentially all the amyloid therapies are still really only for patients who are in clinical trials. And in particular, most of the, the interventions are aimed at people with the mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia stage. If you have patients who have one of those conditions and they're potentially interested in these interventions, there's really a wonderful uh, resource put out by the Alzheimer's Association called Trial Match, uh, which can help connect patients with clinical trials that are going on in their area. Um, as I mentioned, uh, uh, these really have the, have the potential of being disease-modifying, and that really is incredibly exciting because a disease-modifying therapy, the earlier you go on it, the better, and the longer you're on it, the more benefit you get from it. So it's possible that someday we'll actually be able to screen people at the very earliest stages uh, for signs of amyloid or tau building up in the brain and potentially intervene so that they really essentially never develop mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia, uh, similarly to the way we do for other health screening. But uh, at this point, that's still aspirational, to be honest. Wow. Okay. Well, we're almost done, but I'm going to give you one more question. It's a bit of a follow-up. So in, in, in addition to the anti-amyloid therapies you've described, are there any other promising disease-modifying therapies that are emerging for treatment of Alzheimer's disease at this point? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the second protein I mentioned all the way at the beginning, tau, which builds up in neurofibrillary tangles, there are also strategies to use anti-tau monoclonal antibody therapies uh, to see if they can also be disease-modifying. These anti-tau therapies are now entering uh, phase three clinical trials. Similar to the anti-amyloid therapies that I've already mentioned, they're targeting tau, particularly in people in the early stages uh, at mild cognitive impairment or early Alzheimer's disease. And uh, just like the anti-amyloid therapies, they may also be disease-modifying. 
And uh, there's quite a bit of excitement in the in the community around these tau therapies. That is about all the time we have. And those were all some really great teaching points. Dr. Press, thanks for taking your time to teach us about the current landscape of treatment for Alzheimer's disease. To obtain your CME credit, please visit primed.com and complete a short post-assessment. If you listen to this podcast on another platform, please refer to the episode description where there is a direct link to the activity page on primed.com for claiming credit. Good day.